Hey there, thank you so much for listening to Something Super Spiritual. My name is Jeffrey Peck, and I am a psychic medium. If you are seeking conversation with loved ones on the other side, or discussion about spirituality, life after life, and anything in between, join me as we discuss all things spirit. We are collectively experiencing a spiritual awakening right now and recognizing that we are much, much more than we once believed. We don't die and life doesn't end. We are eternal spiritual beings living in this crazy 3D virtual world of existence. Let's talk about it. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for being here with me on the Something Super Spiritual podcast. I'm so happy to have you with me. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm very thrilled to be here. Let's start at the beginning. What was life like for you as a child with regard to spirit, your experiences, your upbringing? Okay, so I was raised Catholic. I lived in a great state of anxiety and fear, not not having an understanding at all of the spirit world. I just knew I was painfully shy and and I was afraid a lot, especially at night. And uh, I was very much into solitary play. I was very comfortable with my own company and I had a huge imagination. Uh, And I was just, you know, they were like boogeymen for me. I was scared. Yeah. But again, at the time, there was no understanding or realization of anything like that. I could tell you also, from a very young age, I had knowings. So I just knew things. And and I also felt like I had um, just a sense of things that certainly weren't consistent with my age or my life experience. I just had knowledge, sort of. I don't know how to say it in it. I don't. I don't mean it in an arrogant, arrogant way. Right. I just had a sense of a wisdom about myself, uh, and I knew even as a young person, it wasn't based on anything of my life. It's sort of like I came into this world with it. And that's what it was like for me. And then as I moved into my adolescence, I, I was really, again, I was, I got tired of being afraid. So I really made a conscious effort to move myself out of that. Yeah. And I really got into, you know, anything psychic or metaphysical or anything kind of woohoo. I was really into <laughs> like, for, I'm talking 12, 13. Oh, so that, 14. that interest hit you early on. Oh, yeah. So I was into all that. I really considered seriously studying Paris, um, like parapsychology mm-hmm. in college. And then I thought, how would I support myself? Yeah. So I was into all things sort of, you know, at the time it was you were on the periphery of things, right. you know, now it's much more mainstream. But back then I was a little unusual, but deep, you know, and, and, you know, and I was just into all of that stuff, psychic and all that kind of thing. In your teenage years, when you started to head that direction, how did that play with respect to your Catholicism and your parents? Did they, did they have anything to say about any of that? No, because at the time, it wasn't like I had any idea that this is what I would be doing. It was just a fascination and intrigue. Mm -hmm. It really titillated my mind. Mm -hmm. You know, anything uh, with psychic 
anything with um, time travel, all these different kind of unusual topics fascinated me. Yes. I did a lot of reading. I read a lot as a young person and as an adolescent, I was a, a really big reader and I would read really science fiction and all that kind of stuff. It just was like, I ate it up. But again, not having any awareness of any future telling that I would be doing it. It was just an interest. So, okay. So then what happened then in your journey that you felt that calling, you felt that calling, you sensed the synchronicities lining up. What was the impetus? So it didn't come again. I like to say that mediumship found me. It wasn't anything that was on my radar. Okay. Certainly different things were interesting to me and I was paying attention to them, but uh, I turned 40 and my grandmother died suddenly. Okay. And 10 days after she passed, she came to me in a vivid dream. And I knew in that moment, it was a dream visit. And I was very consciously aware that my, cause I was so, very close with my grandmother. And I was very aware of the next day that my grief had lightened. And I thought, God, that's just incredible. And my, I, my daughter at the time was three. And I said, uh, you know, she called her big nan because my mother's nanny, she was big nanny because she was my nanny. Mm -hmm. I had a dream of big nanny. She said, so did I. I said, really? What'd she say? She's fine. My mother had it. My sister had it. Oh my gosh. They woke up afraid and I immersed myself in the moment. And so I'll tell you the story. My grandmother, she, she couldn't tell the, if you called my grandmother, she couldn't tell the difference between my sister, Lori, or my voice. So she would say, Lori stays. So I'm sound asleep. And in my mind, the telephone rings and I answer it in my mind. And, and I go, hello. And she goes, Lori stays. And I'm like, nanny, I want you to know I'm, I'm fine. Oh my God, nanny. I love you. I miss you so much. And she says, I, I just want you to know I'm just fine. And I'll call you again if I can. Oh, boom. And I woke up. Oh, it gives me chili bumps from head to toe. Oh, it's so beautiful. It was a moment. So then, you know, over the next 10 years, anyone in my family who passed, they would come to me in dreams. And it was like, cool. Yeah. I thought it was cool. It was interesting. It was fascinating. It became every day, you know, like not every day, but it became the norm for me. Mm-hmm. And then I came to the awareness that when I was falling asleep and when I was waking up, I could sort of tap into something and I was able to connect with what I thought were my guides. And so I did that for quite a while and then it began to rev up for me. And then I'm like, one day I just knew I was connecting with my husband's father who died when he was 13. And I just knew it. And I told him all about it. And then it just like the, the floodgates opened. Yep. And then I was like pinging off like a ping pong ball. I could, I had no control of it. I couldn't, I, I just, it, it, it was wild because I couldn't walk into a mall. I'd hear names. I'd hear, yes. br- I'd look at someone and I'd hear names and I'd father, you know, I would just, and it was like, I was getting overwhelmed with it. Sure. Yet I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay. Before I forget, I want to go back to um, your dreams. Not everybody receives those dream visitations 
regardless of how open they might be. You know, I've, I've had, I've so many people who are, are mediums or psychics and, and they say, you know, I don't get it like that. You know, I don't receive it like that. And a lot of people are asking, well, how do I know? How do I know? So would you explain like how, you know, what is the difference? What is the aha that was real? Well, first of all, there's a qualitative difference in the feel of it. It's very distinct, very Mm -hmm. clear. In a regular dream, you're meandering. Oh, I'm over here. I'm down there. I see my grandmother across the street. She wait, you know, there's a meandering to regular dreams. This is distinct, clear, very short. And you, it's sort of like, you don't forget them. Like I wake up, I would wake up after each one. So over the years, my grandmother would come to me in dreams and then all my family members who passed. And then people like, I didn't know well started to come. Like I knew I had a a guy I knew who passed in 9-11 and he started to come to me in my dreams. And I'm like, why are you here in my dreams? Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was like really interesting. I had three dreams of him. And if you want me to share it, it's because it's very fascinating and interesting. Yes, please. Yeah. The first dream was uh, I saw him playing hockey and he, he didn't look well and he had a brace on his knee. And the second dream I saw him, and it took me years to understand this. He was like, all these people were like filing out of a building and he walked past me and I tapped him on the shoulder. I'm like, why are you in my dream? Why aren't you in Lisa's dream, which is his wife? And he says to me, I try, but she can't see me. Boom, I wake up. The third one, he looked beautiful. It was like lit up. And I said, you want me to let Lisa, no, you're okay. And he said, um, we have a relationship now. It's not this way anymore. It's this way. Okay. Again, I don't know anything. I don't know nothing. I don't know anything. So right. the next day I'm driving to the mall and I feel, I feel so moved to go to this one store first. And I walk in the store and his wife is there. Oh, of course she is. And so I've came to learn that he used to play hockey and he had a knee issue and he was going to be having surgery on his knee the week after 9-11 and that, no, she had not had him come to her dreams. And um, so a lot of the information that I received, he she was able to validate for me. Yes. Um, and then, you know, so that kind of like, well, I'm getting people that aren't like for me, it was normal to have my family, but now I was getting other people like, what's that about? Sure. And so it just began to sort of, for me, it sort of started to rev up. Mm-hmm. And then um, I hit 50. And so I'm sharing my age a little bit. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, and it be in the flood. I said the floodgates open. So then I really was, I felt like I part of, I was, I, I needed to understand it because it was happening all the time and I couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. And so I decided with the guidance of a friend of mine to go to a a medium. And I did. And he basically brought through my father-in-law and then my grandmother. And she told me that I would be doing this for the rest of my life. And she would be helping me there. Oh, awesome. I love that you uh, brought up how you were uh, bombarded with it. Uh, because I get those questions all the time too. You know, do, do you do you feel it all the time? Do you sense it all the time? Do you when you go to parties, whatever? How did you start to control that piece in your development? My training of it. 
when I began to train and take classes. You know, I remember uh, my first teacher in the first class, because I used to get it in the middle of the night, they'd wake me up. Mm -hmm. And she said, you have to set, uh, I don't know if you know Rita Berkowitz, she's a wonderful medium. She's out of Massachusetts. She's called The Spirit Artist. And she did the wonderful book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Spirit Communication. But at the time, I didn't know who she was. I just went, I traveled to Massachusetts from New York to take her class. I felt very guided to her. Yep. And uh, that's a whole nother synchronistic story. And so that's the, the first thing she taught me was to set boundaries. You wouldn't let your friend call you in the middle of the night unless it was an emergency. Totally. So you set the boundary and that, and then my training really sort of al- allowed me to get an understanding that it was under my uh, control. And, mm-hmm. you know, you set your boundaries and spirit does respond. <laughs> Absolutely. So you mentioned your training. Uh, what were you guided to after Rita? Rita, I, I, sta- I stayed with Rita for, she had like, you know, this one day class, like every couple of months. And I would drive out to Massachusetts. I'm talking four hours. Oh, wow. And and I would uh, take a class with her. And she kept telling me to go to Janet No Havoc. She said, go to Janet No Havoc. She's closer to you. And I'm like, no, I, 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 okay, but I need to be with you. Like, I knew I need to, like, again, I had knowings. I just knew. I know I'm supposed to be here first because her classes were small and she was nurturing. And I felt like a fish out of water. You yes. know, I didn't have any friends who did the, I, I did not have a community. Yes. And so for me, having a community was vital. Ah, oh, it's everything. So then I started over at the journey within and I took, uh, Janet had a sequence of classes that I took. And then after I did that, I felt confident enough to join her Monday night group, which was a weekly development closed group that you don't find anywhere else. And we sort of all grew up together. And I did that for about seven years. Oh, wow. I have to get out there and meet her as well. I've read, read her book and, yeah. of course, watched a lot. And yeah. a lot of the people that we mutually know, you yeah. know, all work there, develop there. You know, it's, yeah. yeah, she's an amazing lady. Yes. And it was a, incredible. And again, it, cr- it created a, a community for me because I needed mm-hmm. Yeah. I really oh, needed it. I, I absolutely believe that. We we do need that. We yeah. need that. And And I was just talking with a friend of mine. Just recently, you know, in March, my partner and I went to London and we had a couple, he had a couple things to do out there. And while I was out there, I met up with a couple of my friends that I met at Arthur Finley. And it was just beautiful to be with those like-minded, totally get it friends. Yes. You know, it's not to take away from the close friends that I have in life, but there's really... I didn't realize that I was lonely. Like I didn't realize that I was lonely. Even in the community, it's a lonely road. You know, you're doing yeah. it alone, you know, with the yep. support, with the support of people. Yes. So it could be lonely. And, you know, I came from being a wife and a mother, you know, I was raising my kids and, you know, working part time and all of a sudden it bombarded me. So I needed to find people. I needed to talk about it. Uh-huh. I needed to understand it. Yes. I needed to learn because I, my, I approached it, you know, my, my background, I have a master's in social work. 
And I, I and throughout my career doing that, I had a supervisor. I had somebody I could talk to about what was happening. Yeah. You know, I I took classes, I trained. So I approached it in the same way. I there's there's got to be people out there that know more than me and they, and I got to learn from them. I got to find yes. them. I got to meet them. I have to learn from them. And I needed people to bounce off my experiences because yes. you know, I needed an understanding of it for myself. Completely. And it's that, it's that understanding, you know, something's happening. You've been shown the validations with the people that you've, you've been talking with, but it's that understanding that is yourself. Yes. What's happening within and how you're receiving the information. And while you were moving through this period in your development, what were your hurdles? Like what, what was challenging for you? What was the, your, what were your biggest ahas? My biggest hurdle was self-confidence. I lived in oh. that space of self-doubt for years. Yes. And I got so sick of being there. So oh. sick of it. It's so true. Uh, my other challenge, I would say, is speaking in front of groups because I was never comfortable as a public speaker. So I had to overcome that as well as working the platform. Yes. But my biggest hurdle was uh, getting comfortable with Stacy. And um, trusting in Stacy and being comfortable with myself within it. And that took me years. And I just got sick and tired of being there. And so I made the conscious decision to move the energy and to, you know, I said to myself, you're going to fake it till you make it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it's so true. Um, A few years ago, I was talking with a friend of mine. And I said uh, something similar. I was like, I am so tired of being afraid. I am so tired of being afraid. Just let, I got to, I got to move this, you know? And, and I too struggled with that self-doubt and I was afraid to open my mouth and I was afraid to say what I was getting for fear of being wrong or looking like a fraud or, or, you know, and I was talking with um, another friend of mine at one point and we were talking about finding your voice within this you know, finding your voice and you can't find your voice unless you open your mouth. And and that's the scariest thing, but that's what you got to do. Right. (laughs) Like for me, it wasn't that I was afraid it for me, it was, am I good enough? Yes. Oh, completely. It's our own personal issues that sort of rear their head for me. I wanted to do it at, you know, I wanted to be good at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that fear of not being good enough was my biggest struggle. And, um, you know, I just got so sick of being there and I did some very concrete things to try and move it. And certainly it's in the doing that we learn and it's in the doing that we move through that energy. And I tell my students now, like, you know, it's not a destination. Mm-hmm. You can visit, but yep. you can't stay there. <laughs> yes, it's so true. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, I, for me, I lived I lived in it for years. Mm-hmm. And then I moved myself out. Thank gosh. Mm -hmm. In your development, there are those teachers that are placed in our path. When the student is ready, the teacher arrives. Who was most influential for you? And it could be a few. You know, I've got a few during different periods in my growth. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Like, certainly, you know, I can tell you that Rita was incredibly important for me. And after the first class, again, I'm coming out of this 
I, you know, I have no experience here. I drove to Massachusetts. I took a class for the day. And I remember at the end of the class, she came up to me and very quietly, she said, you know, you're very good. Now, it wasn't that I needed to hear that I was very good because I was willing to put in the work, but for her to validate that gave me the impetus to continue. I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. So that was one moment that was really important to me. And certainly finding the journey within and Janet's supportive community was invaluable for me, you know, to have that place. And then I mentored with Lynn Probert for two years, and that was just so important for my development. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that, um, you know, I, most of my work with her, I would go, was really me going in with my issues and discussing. We talked probably that's all we did. I think I read her three times. I did a psychic reading, a mediumship reading and a soul reading. Otherwise I went in with my list of what was going on. And she saw it was just bouncing thoughts and ideas. And, and I grew up with her. I really did. I grew into myself with her. So, but I could name millions of, you know, there's, I love Brian and Simon. I don't know if you studied, I love them. That was like a graduate course in psychology, psych, sociology and philosophy. I just, it just, it was just so good for me. And I loved working with them. And I really enjoyed Chris Drew, which is a different sort of lighthearted, you know, playful teacher. Totally. But I, I learn from all. I, 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 every opportunity for me is an opportunity to learn, and I've enjoyed every single moment of it. So, but those are the key moments for me, like having the community, ha- getting that validation very early on that a lot that gave me the, you know, I'll stay, I'll stay with this now. Yes, I'll stay with it. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, I've been working with Lynn too for a couple of years, mentoring, you know, over the Zoom. And, and I know what, exactly what you're talking about. Like uh, most of last year were like counseling sessions with her rather yes. than doing exercises. It was, yes. it was like all therapy sessions talking about my, my blocks and my fears and my challenges and, and, and hearing, you know, what she had to say about all of that, like you were talking about. Yes. And, yeah. I worked with her for two years and I just finished with her, um, I want to say in February and I felt like, and, and that, and I, and I was like teary and I, and she said, well, if you need me, you can always book one session. I said, Oh, good. Cause I feel like I'm a toddler now. And I can like, I still have like, we're still attached a little bit. Yes. If I need you, you're there for me. And I felt like a little bit better with that because things come up in your work. And now that so much of our work is on zoom, like we're not really in a community. It's a different kind of community now that to have that, uh, and know that I can use her still. And I have, and I've, um, cause a couple of different things have happened for me this year and I wanted to run them by her, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, new opportunities arose like the teaching with Janet. I never anticipated that. And so I wanted to talk to her about it. Awesome. So you're in New York. Um, a lot of people ask me about Lilydale. Have you been to Lilydale? I've never, I've never been to Stansted either. You know, the wonderful thing about the journey within is all those tutors came to her. It's so true. And that's what I, that's what I was going to bring that around because it's like all of those people have worked with Janet on, uh, at some yeah. point. In so time. We would get, we would get Brian and Simon twice a year. The Uptons would come for two weeks. And now don't forget in the Monday night class, you know, you had that every week. Yeah. The tutors that came in for the weekend would teach us Monday night as a courtesy. Just oh, that's so beautiful. 
you know, Tony Stockwell came twice a year. I mean, she had her regular people. Yeah. Um, trying to think who else they all do. Uh, they would all come regularly. Mm-hmm. So you had to pick. So you can't do them all, right? Right, right. <laughs> you would have to pick. Oh my God, what am I going to do this year? Because yeah. there was this plethora of options. Yes. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> who do I want to study with this year? A lot of questions that I receive, and I'm going to ask you this. Um, you and I know that mediumship sessions with people are a springboard of healing for our sitters in front of us. Mm-hmm. Can you think and tell us about any anyone that you just were in such awe with at the end that you literally witnessed your sitter in front of you, like release this pain? this weight, this burden? I mean, not one springs to mind, but I could tell you for me, Mm -hmm. the best moments are when you get uh, feedback after Mm -hmm. and you get an email or someone in touch with you and they may have not understood something. Yes. Now all of a sudden it registers with them. Not one is calling to mind. I mean, they all are, you know, in, in a big, in small and big ways, you know? Uh, they're all touching someone. And I really feel like for me, I trust in the spirit world mm-hmm. to give them exactly what they need, you know? Completely. So I can't speak to one particular reading. I, I, I just know for me, the fun ones and the ones that like impact me are the ones that you get that feedback after. And you're and the, in other words, like they didn't even know. Yeah. And oh. now they, mm-hmm. the, the, those, the emails that come, a couple of days after the readings are gifts. <laughs> like I recently did one and uh, I was reading for a, lo- a local doctor and it was a gentleman and I don't often get gentlemen, but it was, and I brought through his mom and I forget who else. But at the end I said, your mom wants to thank you for um, pulling those strings for her at the end of her life. And he says, I didn't pull any strings. I said, Oh, okay. I'm going to leave it with you. You know, I, t- I ended the reading. It was right at the end. He emails me like not 10 minutes later. He, he, and he says, um, when my mother passed, I wrote a song called Pulling Those Strings and I sang it at her funeral. Oh. And I thought, oh, that's, that's amazing. Oh, that is so beautiful. And he was so excited. <laughs> he was so excited. Like, that's a moment. Like, oh, that moment huge I'll moment. remember. Yeah. I'll remember that moment forever. You know, those kinds of things, you know, when you get, when you get a reading that moves you, you know, the healing is always present. Yes. So I can't speak to seeing uh, the transition because I think it, I think it really sort of percolates in them and there's a, there's a, you know, an immediate reaction. And I think it settles in with them and there's sort of an integration of it. And that may take time for them. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I really believe that, that, you know, it impacts them, not just during the reading, but in the, it, it follows them. Uh, but that kind of moment for me is sort of really interesting. You Completely. Know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, right now, there are so many paranormal shows. It is, it's, it's at the, it's popular. It's uh, the, it's on the pulse. Um, when you're out and about, and and I'm just wondering, like, do you do you sense and feel spirits 
say you're at a, a 400 year old building that's a restaurant you're sitting there do you do you sense and feel anybody around you if you do i mean do you do you feel like it's just residual like an energetic fingerprint or do you feel it's conscious i get this question often because i feel a lot of energy everywhere i go and i sense things and i see things but yeah i i you know i don't know why i don't i'll tell you that mm-hmm. i don't you know, I think coming from a, a background in mental health and, uh, you know, I worked in mental health for 15 years and you really needed to have good boundaries there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you did. And so I have really good boundaries. Um, so I'm not really walking around. There might be a time or two, but I will tell you the only time that I remember it really being so like impactful to me that I was in London and I was at the tower of London okay. and you can go to one of the, um, the rooms where they had the, um, the torture, the room. Okay. Where they would torture people. And I remember going down it and I couldn't breathe and I had to get right out. I had to get right out. Yeah. Uh, that's the only time really for me. So otherwise I'm just going about, I'm really, I'm just, go- there might be a moment. Well, like spirit may, I may become aware of spirit, but, you know, I just sit with it and, you know, and I, I don't do anything with it, but I don't feel, I I don't know why, but I, that's how it works for me. Yeah. You know, I'm going about my day and when I'm working, I'm working. And when I'm practicing, I'm practicing. And when I'm sitting with spirit, I'm sitting with spirit. Otherwise, you know, I don't, it doesn't happen to me a lot. Yeah. That one time overwhelmed me. I couldn't breathe. I had to get right out of that. Yeah. I totally get that with the, with your knowledge, your experience, your personal experience with spirit in your development, in your growth, with your readings, what do you think happens when we die? I think it's probably one of the most peaceful things that we'll ever experience. I think we just, we're just enveloped in that, um, you know, that beautiful, loving space, you know, when we merge back into it. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's what I think, you know, very early on, I had a really interesting experience. My husband's cousin was dying and uh, we were all sitting, you know, he was unconscious and we were all there and I'm the one who watched him pass. And I remember thinking like, why am I the one here for this? Right. I think all these moments are preparing you for where you're going. I really believe that. And I thought, I thought it was one of the most peaceful things I had ever experienced. Like here's a man who was dying of a brain tumor, you know, but it was just peaceful. And I think we're just really moved back and we merge back into the, into the wholeness of it all. And honestly, I really feel like our brains are not advanced enough to really comprehend it. I agree. I really do. I think we're just really scratching the surface yes. of what can really, what is really going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, there's a merging of it. And, um, you know, that's how I feel. Like if you were to drop something in the water and you just merge back in with it, I really feel like in that moment, we merge back in to that loving place, mm-hmm. whatever it is, whatever your conceptualization of it is. And I think it's an alternative dimension that's sort of overlaid, you know, I yes. think that's, how I, that's how I conceptualize it. And I feel like we're all welcomed home. 
And I feel like our people are there because recently that started to happen in my readings. Like I see the people who are waiting there for them and, you know, all of that's been happening over the, like the last six months. Uh, you know, I'll see the, the people who have passed are with the one who's passing, you know? Yes. And it's part of the information as long as you sort of like have a solid reading happening there. Uh, and all of a sudden that's been coming into my work and it's really incredible. Uh, so I think we're welcomed home by those we love and our pets and mm-hmm. yep. grand, uh, grand welcoming. And we merge back into the wholeness of all of it. It's a homecoming so, party. Yeah, I envision it as like a really like just a blending in back in. Uh, and it's beautiful. Yes. And it's beautiful. When you hear people talking about lost souls, and I'm doing that in quotes, when you hear people talk about lost souls, whether they died from a tragic accident or a tragic, um, say, murder or or something, you know, horrendous, what do you say about, quote, lost souls? You know, um, that's not my in my belief system. So I don't experience that. I really, truly believe that we interpret what we're experiencing through the lens of our understanding. Yes. And if you believe in that sort of thing, then that's how you're going to interpret it. I've never had that experience. I haven't either. Um, so, you know, my other thinking about, around that is, um, you know, if you're to believe in that sort of thing or you need they need help moving to that space or crossing over. I really feel like you're talking about God dropping the ball to a degree and not really doing his job very well. And that's not what my understanding is either. I think we're with an intelligence and a divine intelligence way beyond our comprehension. Yes. Why would anybody need our help, our feeble help when they have that whole divine, incomprehensible intelligence to love and support them. And you know what? And that was, that was my question too. You know, if we have guardians and guides and God and our loved ones, where are they? If, if we're supposedly lost, why aren't they coming to help us? Like, (laughs) where are they? Yeah. I've, I've asked those questions too. Yeah. I really believe though that people like to visit. Yeah. And so if you have someone who's visiting and they, and if you conceptualize it, that in the spirit world, there's no time and they come back and for them, it may be three seconds and here it may be 300 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you say that house is haunted because the guy's visiting his house. Yes. It may be a moment. And for us, it could be eons. We don't know. That's so I can't speak to it. I know the people who have that belief in that and say they do that work, they they hold on to it real tight and mm-hmm. there's no movement on it. Mm-hmm. So I give you I give you yours and allow me mine. Absolutely. I've never experienced anything like that. Who inspires you? Oh man. Who inspires me? I, I'm going to tell you this, I, you know, my grandmother in the spirit world really inspires me. Mm-hmm. My grandmother lived a very hard life. She was very independent um, and she lived a long life and, she, and she, I, you know, she passed suddenly. She was completely independent to the moment of her passing. She inspires me. Um, my daughter inspires me. 
She really does. You know, my family inspires me. Mm-hmm. My parents inspire me. You know, my daughter, uh, she just graduated law school and she maneuvered through that with in and COVID. Uh, you know, to me, it was like really daunting uh, what she did and accomplished. So that inspires me. Uh, you know, people inspire me. Yeah. You inspire me. Oh, thank you. you can't speak to one one thing or yeah. one person. You know, you know, um, Janet inspires me. Sure. She mm-hmm. really does. I mean, her commitment to spirit. That is inspiring. To yes. Me. Uh, you know, and and we've all had to. We've all had to get to that place where I'm going to commit to this. Yeah. It's the biggest commitment I've ever made other than my family. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's, it's true. Heart and soul, commitment, time, money. Yep. All of the above. All mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said yes. Mm-hmm. I said yes. Thank you for saying you know? yes. And I look, I, I talk about, you know, I follow the breadcrumbs. This would happen. Yes. This happens. Yes. This happens. Yes. This happens. Yes. Yeah. You know, I just want, and, and through all of that, I want to be the best I can possibly be. 100%. Absolutely. And that's, I say, yes, I'll figure it out. Yes. Beautiful. I'm doing it. Any opportunity. Yes. Janet reached out. Would you teach this? Yes. I'll do it. You know? Yeah. I'll do that church service. Yes. I'll, I'll work, you know, right now I'm working with moms who have lost sons. Yeah. I'll work with that group. You know, you just say yes. How did you overcome the fear of speaking in front of groups when you were first asked, will you do this platform with me? Or, you know, what, how did you move through that? Well, first of all, you know, the beauty of the journey within, and, you know, you're in this weekly development group and it's closed, right? So we all are so trusting and supportive of each other. Now we started working on platform. We worked on platform over Mm -hmm. a year Mm -hmm. with Jen. You would do a month, uh, groups of three, a month. Every week, you'd be in a group of three, went to group of five, do that for whatever, went to a group, bigger group, do whatever. Then she would break up the class in half and get in front of them. And then eventually we did the whole class and we had to get literally on the platform of the church. And then she does uh, student demonstrations and she would fill the church with the public. And you'd get up there and you'd do it, you know, and you would do it. Yep. you know, and so we, I have the wonderful advantage of having small incremental steps and getting comfortable at each one. Yes. And, um, you know, I'm doing, I do, uh, you know, I'm very comfortable doing them on Zoom. If I had, and I do big ones on Zoom uh, with this group of moms, like we do like 300, 300 people. Wow. But if I had to do 300 people in person, I don't know about my, I'm sure I'd be able to do it, but I would, I would certainly have to manage my nerves. I think that's part of what you need to learn to do yep. is manage yourself, you know, you re, and whatever you need to do to get yourself into that quietness, into the space of you, that quiet centered space of you, you got to figure that out. Totally. Cause you can't get up there. Uh, and let your nerves show. So you can be nervous. Mm-hmm. You just have to make it an inside job. Totally. Yep. Yep. So that's, and then, you know, each time it becomes more and more comfortable. Oh, I succeeded there. I can do it again. Yeah. So you have history behind you. Yes. 
it, it's very similar to how how I started to get in front of people because that was my biggest fear too is is getting in front of groups and opening my mouth. And I too, I started with a group of four, and then I went to five, and then I went to six, and then I went to nine. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's exactly how I did it too. And again, you're mastering it. Yep. You're mastering it as you're going. Yes. So, you know, the church was a great environment to learn all that. And again, even in these student demonstrations, which we did, you know, probably four or five throughout the years, you know, each year, you know, you be, just became comfortable in it and it was a supportive place. Yes, safe. And then you would get feedback. You would get feedback from Janet. You'd get feedback from the tutors. Yes. And so it helped you to improve. And you, she would videotape them sometimes and you get the video. There's no better teaching tool than to watch yourself. Yep. You got to watch yourself. Back. You know, I'll never forget the first time I was videotaped. I said the same sentence, every sentence. Like I, whatever it was. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's got to change. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so you begin to work on your language. There's more to mediumship than just getting the information and getting a yes. Mm -hmm. There's so much more. So you learn to use your language to describe it and, you know, and, and you allow yourself to just grow within it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're really growing within it. Yeah. So what do you have to say to those who are listening? There are, there are going to be a lot of people who aren't mediums, but really curious and open and needing to hear from their loved ones. And there are going to be a lot of people who are starting to feel and, and, and open up to their own senses. So what, what words of wisdom would you like to impart to those groups? Well, I think for those who are early in their development to just keep going, you know, I don't know anyone who has not experienced being self-conscious, feeling doubtful about themselves, questioning themselves, feeling like they want to give it all up. I don't know anyone who hasn't moved through that. Right. So ex what you're experiencing, if you are feeling any of those, it's completely, completely normal. Yes. We all move through those periods because it's, it's, you're getting to an understanding of who you are and what your place is within it all. For those who, you know, who aren't developing and may have doubts, uh, I suggest you just suspend your disbelief for just a little while, just a moment, see, just see what happens. Just see what happens. Our minds are tricky beasts. They want to control the dialogue and they want to control the scenario. And they, so you really need to suspend your disbelief and just allow yourself and see what happens for you. Because there's always signs. There's always these moments, but our minds want to explain it away. Yes, they do. And you have to sort of suspend that dialogue and move more into a heart space. Yes. And see what possibly can happen because it's magical. Oh, There's it's magic miraculous every and step of the way. You, if you're very analytical or you're just, you know, whatever it is that's making you resistant to open yourself up to that, just to su suspend it for a little while and see what could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I would say. Beautiful. 
And Stacy, where can people find you? Where are you on your Facebook, Instagram, wherever? I am on all of that. My website is stacydesaya.com. I have an office at Turning Point Healing Arts and Education Center located in Ridgefield, Connecticut. You can find me there. I'm on Bob Olson's Best Psychic Directory. You can find me there. You can email me, stacy at stacydesaya.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. You can reach me through all of those venues. Stacy Desaya, CSW. CSW is a certified social worker. I was certified. Okay. Uh, so I use that as a credential because I earned it. Yes. One. Uh, my background is in social work, counseling, and all of that. So, um, you know, and I really do feel that all of my education and all of my experiences there have really enhanced what I do now. They're very akin to each other. They really are. Although I'm not practicing any kind of psychological social work services, but that experience really has helped me to hone what I'm doing now. I do teach a class on Sunday nights through hidesville.org. You can find me there. And uh, I have a mentorship program for those who can, you, you would need to be able to make a contact to do the program that I offer. It's one-on-one. You know, I've worked with students around the world, really, in that doing that. And again, it's one of those things. Like if you told me, again, it's it presented itself. Mm-hmm. So I never, if you told me I would be doing platform when I started, I'd say, ah, you're kidding. <laughs> yes. If you told me I would be teaching, I would say, no way. Right. If you told me I'd be teaching a class with Janet No Havoc, I'd say, you're crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the opportunities come. And you say yes, and you keep moving, and you keep doing it. So that's you can find me in all those places. Beautiful. Okay. Ah, oh, Stacy, thank you so much for being here. I really oh, it's this was a treat. It's fantastic. my it's my favorite topic. Yes, me too. <laughs> I, love, I love to talk about it. And it's a great passion, and I love I love it. It's it's very joyful for me, really. And again, it came to me later. If it had come to me any earlier, I could not have committed the time necessary. You know, I think there's more and more of us with this experience where it's coming later in life. Because, I mean, same thing with me. You know, when I reflected back, though, on my life, you could see it was always present. Yeah. It was the timing wasn't there for me. Completely. Yeah. You know, I knew I wanted to raise my kids. And when it really ramped up, my kids were old enough to to take care of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have done it any sooner. So, but it is a joy and it's a pleasure and an honor, mm-hmm. really, Beautiful. to do it. It's a great to be with you and talk to you again. And- yeah. Thank you again for listening to the Something Super Spiritual Podcast. If you know someone who would enjoy this episode, please do share it with a friend. For show notes, links, and to purchase a mediumship reading, my website is somethingsuperspiritual.com. You can also easily subscribe and follow the show on your favorite app, sign up for my newsletter for bonus content, and to keep the conversation going, you can easily join the Facebook community. It's all right there at the website, somethingsuperspiritual.com. Signing off for now, namaste. Namaste.